Welcome to the Supernatural Life Podcast with Chad Gonzalez, a podcast all about helping you connect with God so you can manifest God to the world. Now, here's your host, Pastor Chad Gonzalez. Hey friends, this is Chad Gonzalez. I want to welcome you to this episode of the Supernatural Life Podcast, where it's our goal to help you connect with God so you can manifest God to your world. We had a tremendous month in the month of July. We got to spend some time down in Louisiana, and we were at a wonderful church called Word of Life Church with Pastors Ecom and Robin Grigsby. We had some great testimonies come from that healing service that we did. In particular, there was one woman who had some knee issues and was suffering uh, from spina bifida, had some serious back issues going on, but great testimony from that. I'd encourage you to go to our YouTube channel. You can watch that and just let it really inspire your faith. Also, we want to say thank you to all of our partners, all of our Dream Team partners and members. You have helped us to just finish the translation of Possessors of Life into Spanish. Our dear friends at PCI down in Bogota, Colombia, they just finished the translation of that, and we're beginning the printing of those books uh, for our next conferences coming up down there in Bogota. We've got a healing conference down there the last weekend of September, and so we're printing up 500 books for that. If you'd like to help with the printing of those, I believe that those are each being printed at $2.25 each. So if you'd like to help with that, you can go to our website at chadgonzalez.com and you can help sponsor a book or a whole bunch of books. Uh, we've also got Possessors of Life. It's being translated into Urdu and they just finished that and we're about to start the printing process for that as well uh, because we have a conference we're doing in Lahore, Pakistan for a whole bunch of pastors. We have a thousand pastors that are supposed to be coming to this, as well as a healing crusade we're doing. So we're going to make this book available in Urdu for them as well. So again, thank you to all our partners who are helping to make this happen. Uh, also, another big announcement was that last week we announced to everyone that we had finally stepped away from our church. Many of you know that we had been transitioning from our church that we had started in Arkansas uh, we've been doing that for the last year. Actually, we'd started two years ago, but because of everything with COVID, we had to put it on hold. But we made the official announcement last week that we were stepping away from that, and we just handed it over to our dear friend, Lance Ivy. And so we're putting the full focus on the ministry of healing, and we are going at this 100%. So very excited about this. We also announced about the Healing Academy in London. We're still working on the details with that. We're actually going to be making a trip in November. We're going to be over there for about a week or two, meeting with some area pastors, doing some scouting of the land and doing some planning, and hopefully looking to have some more information for everyone about the Healing Academy in London, which is going to be an in-person training place. We're kind of looking at it being a short-term intensive type of deal, maybe around two months of which we're teaching, healing, training people, and then we're going out into the streets, we're going out into the cities. And we're taking healing to our world. And yet it'll also be a place for people to come who are in need of healing. And it will be a base for us uh, and the things that we're looking to do in Europe as well. So lots and lots of great stuff coming up. Last thing I want to make mention to you is that our interview with Sid Roth. Most of you know that we were with Sid Roth a few months ago. We filmed a few episodes. One of them they put on Facebook the next day. It was just a, a social media interview that we did. But the It's Supernatural episode that we filmed is going to be airing next week, so be on the lookout for that as well as a few other videos that we did for them. 
some great, great things taking place that God's just doing through us, and we're just so privileged and just in awe of everything that He's doing and allowing us to do. So praise God, and thank you for all of you that are on this journey with us. Well, this month, I want to talk about taking off the limits. You know, I'm at a place where I want to see results. And I know many of you that are listening to this, you want to see results too. That's why you're listening to this podcast. We want results. We want to see the supernatural. We want to go beyond what is taking place right now. And because of that, I'm always analyzing my results and I'm comparing them with Jesus. I'm not comparing them to John Lake or, or Wigglesworth or Oral Roberts or Jack Coe, A. Allen, Kenneth Hagan. I'm not comparing my results to them. Why? Thank God for them and their example, and I've been so inspired by all of them, but they are not my standard. Jesus is my standard, and that's, when been, the, that's been the driving piece for me these last few years, is that Jesus is my standard. Jesus is the one who showed me what's possible as a man united with God under the old covenant. And now that I'm united with the glorified Christ under the new covenant, that's why you and I, we can do even greater works. And Jesus is the one who said that. We're going to look at that in a little bit. But let me ask a question here. What's up with all of the limitations? What's up with all the limitations that are being taught? I think it would be safe to say that we haven't really been seeing as a whole the same works as Jesus, much less the greater works. And if we're honest, the Old Testament guys like Moses, Joshua, Elijah, Elisha, they did some remarkable supernatural works far greater than what we have seen happen for most of the modern church. Well, why is that? Well, instead of just taking Jesus at his word, we've just made excuses. I mean, let's just be honest. We've made excuses, but we don't call them excuses. No, because that would put the blame on us. So to sound spiritual and, and to put the blame on God or other people, we just call them rules or you know, spiritual rules or limitations or limits. But you see, excuses, they allow us to teach a five-point sermon, quote scriptures, but not have to back any of it up. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the excuses. I'm fed up with the excuses. I'm tired of looking at unsaved guys like Moses, Joshua, Elijah, Elisha, looking at the 12 disciples, the 70 disciples that Jesus sent out, seeing them get crazy results compared to us today that have a better covenant established upon better promises. Those of us that are new creatures in Christ, blood washed, blood bought, faith speaking, tongue talking, Holy Ghost filled, seated at the right hand of God people. So what's up with all the excuses? And you know what I'm talking about. You know what they are. We just don't have a lot of preachers with backbones that are willing to talk about them. You know what excuses I'm talking about. Stuff like, oh, you know, you need this gift of the Spirit operation for that miracle. And you need these gifts of the Spirit in operation for those type of miracles. And well, the reason they get results is because they have a special anointing. You know, I've, I've had that one been put on me a whole bunch. Or, you know, you hear this one, well, they only had a little bit of faith. That's why they didn't get healed. Well, we could go on and on with excuses, and there's a whole bunch of them that are, that are pretty normal and standard out there. But let's just strip everything away. And that's what I've been doing the last few years, just stripping everything away back to the basics and really just looking at the real raw Jesus. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus do? He's my standard. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus do? And how does what Jesus said and what Jesus did compare to what I believe right now? How does it compare to what I've been taught? 
How does it compare to my doctrine right now? Does my doctrine match up to what Jesus said and what Jesus did, just the real raw Jesus? And it's right here where I started seeing results years ago. And the further that I've gone with this, the better the results are getting. Why is that? Because I'm getting rid of all the religion. I'll be the first to admit my doctrine isn't perfect because I know I'm not getting the same results that Jesus is getting. Now, I mean, I've been in services where we've seen every single person in the building, and I'm not exaggerating. I've been in several services where every single person in the building that had something external going on with their body that we could see, they all walked out healed. I'm not making that up. I've seen it several times. And yet I've also been in services where we've seen a lot of people get healed. And then there is a couple of people that come to me, not me going, they come to me and they're looking for help. They're desperate. And yet we didn't get the result that we know we should have. Well, I can either sit there and make an excuse about it or I can humble myself and say, okay, I'm missing it somewhere. I'm missing it in my doctrine somewhere. I know God isn't the problem. I'm missing it somewhere. See, that takes humility. It takes compassion for people that you want to see them set free. And it takes humility to humble yourself, to bow down and humble yourself and say, okay, I'm missing it somewhere. See, none of us, our doctrine is perfect because if our doctrine was perfect, we'd be seeing better results. We've all got areas that we need to grow. We need to strip it all back. I'm always analyzing myself. I'm always analyzing what I believe because I want to see results. I want to go further than what we have seen up until this point. We've got to get rid of the religion. We all have a little bit of religion in our doctrine. Let's just be honest. But we've got to get rid of it. Why? You see, religion produces excuses, but it doesn't produce results. Religion makes you feel like you did something when you really accomplished nothing. So let's look at this statement that Jesus made in John chapter 14. And if you look at verse 10, Jesus says, Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, he does the works. Believe me, I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Verse 12, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do so that the Father will be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So here's my question to you. Where does Jesus put limits? Where's the limitations in that command, in that statement? Jesus said, whoever believes in me. This wasn't for the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, bishop of the running with Jesus, fullness of Baptist church. I mean, this wasn't for someone who had all the titles. This is for the everyday believer, whoever believes in me. There's no mention of, of certain titles. There's no mention of special anointings. There's no mention of your preaching ability. There's no mention of which Bible school you went to or even going to Bible school. This is for the everyday believer. This is for the farmer, the school teacher, the fast food worker, the student, the landscaper. The same works as Jesus and even greater works. Why? Because Jesus was going to the Father. What's he talking about? He's talking about salvation, union with Christ, union with the Father. That's what would put us in the position to do the very same works and yet even greater works. Where's the limits? Where's the limits, guys? 
Where's the rules? Where's the excuses? You'll, you'll find that in Jesus' commands, there's no limits there. A lot of the limits that we've heard and we've been told, they're not in the Bible. They may have come from the pulpit, but I'm not really seeing them with Jesus. And again, if you start comparing some of the things that we know, some of the things that we believe, some of the things that we've been taught, and you look at it, Jesus, you might get to the point where you start realizing, hey, we might be missing it somewhere. Or there might be some things in our doctrine we might need to remove in order for us to go forward and raise the standard of our life, of our ministry, our results to that of Jesus himself. Let's look at another command of Jesus. This is to the 12. When Jesus is calling out the 12 and sends the 12 out, we find this in Matthew chapter 10. If you look at verse 5, it says, These 12 Jesus sent out commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 8, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. So my questions for you are this, where's the limits? Where does Jesus mention which gifts of the Spirit need to be in operation? Where does Jesus hand out special anointings? Where does Jesus mention that, hey, Peter, I'm giving you a special anointing for blind eyes, and John, uh, I'm giving you a special anointing for deaf ears. Where does he do that? He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that at all. He said, heal the sick. He doesn't specify certain sicknesses, certain diseases. It was a very general, very simple statement. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you've received, freely give. He didn't even talk to them about their faith. You see, what was going on was the disciples had been seeing Jesus operate in this authority and power. And what they had been seeing happen for day after day after day after day. Jesus says, hey, what I'm operating in, I'm giving it to you. Now you go do it too. They understood what they possessed. But then Jesus sends them out and doesn't give them a bunch of rules and how this is supposed to work. He just said, take what you have. Go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Where does Jesus mention the faith of the sick, the leper? the demon-possessed, or the dead. Here's a thought, and this is just a thought, but here's something to chew on, think on. Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. Could it be possible? I mean, just possible, just something to think about. Could it be possible that nothing was required of those on the receiving side? I'm just throwing a thought out here to you, but here's a question. How does a dead person have faith to be raised from the dead? Have you ever thought about it? (laughs) How's the dead have faith to be raised from the dead? Now, a good point that's usually brought up is that Jesus many times said, in regards to healing, said, according to your faith, according to your faith, be it unto you, according to your faith. But think about this, and this is something I've been looking at here recently. Think about this. When Jesus said, according to your faith, that was the people that came to him for healing. I don't really see that happening when Jesus went to them. Now, when people came to him, we see Jesus talk about their faith. 
But when Jesus went to them, I don't see mention of the people's faith at all. We also have the account of when Jesus went to his hometown and he could do no mighty work except heal a few sick folk. The reason Jesus could do no mighty work was because of unbelief. We know that. Many of us have heard that. I've talked about it with many friends. But think about this. And this is, again, this is just something to think about. Think about this. Was it unbelief in God or was it unbelief in Jesus as a person? Well, it was unbelief in Jesus, the person, because people were offended at him because they grew up with him. They were familiar with him. In other words, it wasn't necessarily a lack of faith, so to speak, in the supernatural. They were just flat out offended at him because they knew who he was. They grew up with him. They played with him. They ate with him. They'd been around him. And yet Jesus was still able to get some sick people healed in spite of massive unbelief and massive offense in his hometown towards him. Hmm, something to think about. Let's look at Jesus' command to the 70 when he sends the 70 out. In Luke chapter 10, we see this. It says in verse 1, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he was about to go. And Jesus said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace rests on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Verse 9, And heal the sick there, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Verse 10, he said, whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near to you. So notice a couple of things here. Number one, again, in Jesus' command to the disciples, where are the limits? Where does Jesus give out certain anointings for certain sicknesses, certain diseases? Where does he specify that you 10 over here, you have a special anointing for blind eyes and deaf ears. You guys over here, you have a special anointing to heal cancer. You guys over here have a special anointing for leprosy. You guys over here have a special anointing to cast out devils. Where does Jesus do that? And yet how common is that in our, our modern church society today? Where did we get that? Because Jesus doesn't talk about that. Jesus doesn't mention this at all. Jesus doesn't talk about certain gifts of the Spirit having to be in operation. Isn't that interesting thought to think about? I mean, outside of the gifts of the Spirit in regards to tongues and interpretation of tongues, all of the gifts of the Spirit, with exception of those, were already in operation. Gifts of special faith and working of miracles and gifts of healings and prophecy and discerning of spirits. I mean, all of these things had been in operation in the Old Testament. How come Jesus didn't talk to the disciples about it? How come 
if it was that big of a deal, that important for us to understand, I've got to have this gift and that gift and this gift in order to produce this miracle. How come Jesus didn't talk to the disciples about that when he sent them out? It's an interesting thought. Number two, Jesus said, if they don't receive you. Well, this is very similar to what happened with Jesus in his hometown. Notice, this isn't necessarily a faith issue. This is an offense issue. If someone doesn't want you around, well, that's one issue. But it is a totally different issue if someone opens up their heart to you and is asking for help. That is another issue. And it is this issue in which you and I have been called to be the answer. Lastly, let's look at the Great Commission. So well known, regardless of denomination all around the world. Mark chapter 16. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will be by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord spoke to them, he was received up into heaven sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. So again, here we go again. Notice, number one, no limits, no limitations, no mention of titles, no mention of special anointings, no mention of particular gifts of the Spirit needed to be in operation, no mention of any type of limitation or excuses. It's a very general Statement, very general command, a command of this. I give you something, now go do it. I'm giving you something, go use it. I'm giving you something freely, now freely go give it away. Number two, I want you to notice that the Great Commission is not for the church, is not for the believer, it's for the unbeliever. So my question here is, what normal unbeliever is going to have great faith for healing or great faith for deliverance? They're an unbeliever. (laughs) Thirdly, according to Jesus in this, healing is a sign for the unbeliever. It's a sign for the unbeliever that the message that we preach is true. If it is a sign of proof, well, that doesn't really sound like something the unbeliever needs to have faith for. Quite honestly, This sounds like something that actually opens up the unbeliever's heart and causes them to have faith for salvation. The point of all of this is this. If we've been doing something for a while and not getting the results that we know we should, this is where we have to humble ourselves and do some evaluating. God is never, and I mean never, holding out. We are the ones that are missing it somewhere in our doctrine. Sometimes it's things that we're missing, and sometimes it's things that need to be removed. Either way, I want to highly encourage you, start looking at Jesus. Strip away everything else and just flat out look at him. Look at what he says. Look at what he does and let him be your example. Let Jesus be your standard. You know, in John chapter 17, Jesus prays and in verse 20 through 23, Jesus makes this marvelous statement and he says it twice. He says, Father, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one, that the world would know that you sent me. Friends, how is the world going to know that God sent Jesus by you and I being one with him? How are they going to know? 
because you and I are to be an exact replica of him on the earth. We are the body of Christ, corporately and yet also individually. And, and don't go off and, and fall into that other excuse that, well, the reason we can do greater works is because the body of Christ is getting larger and larger and larger. Now, that isn't what Jesus was talking about. Jesus said we would do greater works not because the church would get larger. Jesus said we would do greater works because we'd get saved. And we'd become one with him. And just as a side note, the ministry Jesus had on the earth, he wasn't operating in all authority and all power. That didn't happen until he was born again, raised from the dead. And that's when Jesus says, all authority, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Now go. You see, you and I, we're not one with the Christ who walked on the earth. We're one with the glorified Christ. That's why we not only should be doing the same works that Jesus did on the earth, but even greater works. Friends, if we are to fulfill Jesus' prayer in John 17, we have to lay aside all of the man-made limitations and simply do life like him. Hear from him. See from him. And let's manifest heaven on the earth and bring about the greatest move of God that the world and the church has ever seen before. Friends, if you're not a partner with us, we'd love to have you join the Dream Team. You can help us take this message all around the world through our healing conferences, books, and the Healing Academy. Also, make sure and share this podcast with a friend. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have brand new videos coming up, and we want to make sure that you never miss out. Remember that in Christ... We always win. Think about these things, chew on these things, write them down, talk about them with a friend, and we'll talk to you next month.